<laughs> Acts chapter 9 and verse 6, and this is about Saul who becomes Paul. The Bible says, and he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. Let's pray. My Father, I do bow before you tonight with a grateful heart that you have uh, given us this time upon the earth. Lord, I thank you for letting us serve you these many years. I wish I had served you more. And Father, I praise you for allowing us to continue. Continue to strengthen us and help us and guide us and use us to your glory as long as you see fit. Dear Father, when we are no longer able to do your work, I would pray that you'll just take us home if that would be your will. But may we, whatever falls our lot, Lord, I know that we can trust you because you are our heavenly father and you do watch over us. I thank you for that. Dear Lord, now I pray that you'll use me tonight as I preach to the glory of God. Encourage and strengthen your people and should there be one tonight that does not know Christ as their savior, may they yield themselves to you to be born again. If there's a child of God tonight, Lord, that uh, has, has become cold and indifferent, wayward from you, dear God, would uh, may through this message tonight and your Holy Spirit working in their lives, would you draw them to you to where they can have uh, that strength and, and peace again in their lives to thy glory. Thank you for your care. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I was talking this morning and, and just went through some scriptures about some of these things, about uh, uh, going after sinners and, and, and pointing uh, to the fact of, of church planting. And, and I'm sure you already know this, but in the book of Matthew chapter 28, uh, and, and those last few verses that we, uh, we, we tend to call the Great Commission, I believe that commission was given uh, to the church body, not just to individuals. And, and one of the reasons I believe that is he has the word baptize in it. And so uh, he expected them as they went and preached the gospel and, and taught them, he expected them uh, out of those that were saved to see churches planted and, and it is the church that has the authority to baptize. And so otherwise he couldn't have said that if that was two individuals, if, 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 and I know that there's three other places it's mentioned also, but if it, could, if it was just two individuals, he would not have said for them to go and baptize. So we, we look at that and, and find today that uh, it's important for churches uh, to do the work of God and a part of that is uh, reaching people for Christ in, in various areas and as you do so, uh, if at all possible, seeing a church uh, planted. In Acts chapter 11, now I'm jumping just a little bit, but, but let, let, me, let me, before I, before I say that, let me, let me say this. I'm, I'm taking a little bit of liberty uh, in one sense with this Acts 9, 6, uh, Lord, what will thou have me to do? Now we know the interpretation of, of that uh, has to do with the fact that the Lord uh, Jesus has spoken from heaven and, and has spoken, uh, it would seem audibly to the Apostle Paul and, and Paul 
uh, falls on his knees, recognizing him as Lord, and says, what will thou have me to do? And, and God proceeds to give him instructions on what to do. So this is, of course, Paul's prayer to God on the uh, Damascus Road. But I want to use this uh, on the thought of, of, Lord, what would thou have me to do? And then if I could add this, concerning the church plant that you've put on our pastor's heart. Lord, what will thou have me to do? It is the church's responsibility, but the church is made up of individuals. There's something, I, 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 I promise you, something that you can do uh, that will be of benefit uh, to this work that this church and your pastor uh, is, is planning to do. As we look at this then, uh, let me as just kind of to pick up where I was this morning in the, um, uh, I mentioned this morning that the individuals, uh, Saul gets saved in chapter nine, chapter 10, Cornelius and his household uh, get saved. We find out that, that God is working in the Gentiles' lives. And then uh, when you come to chapter 11, you find out that the church at Jerusalem has to come to grips with, with the, uh, of some things that they had not apparently recognized before, and that is uh, what we call John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Uh, after that, um, uh, that Cornelius was preached to, and in chapter 10, and uh, when, when that um, uh, Peter had, had said these things, had, had, had preached to him, in verse 44 of chapter 10, uh, while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on them, that, uh, on all them that heard the word, and they of the circumcision which believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Spirit. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. And, and, and then answered Peter, can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they him, they him to tarry certain days. So I see here that uh, once that happened, and what a marvelous thing to see that yes, uh, that the Lord Jesus Christ did to come, did come to die for all men. And, and so uh, he came to die for whosoever will. And the church had to come to grips with this. Uh, in, in chapter 11, the apostles and the brethren which were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also uh, received the word of God and when Peter was come up to Jerusalem, they that were of the circumcision contended with him and, and saying, uh, thou wentest in to men uncircumcised and did eat with them. 
But you find out when Peter rehearsed to them what the Holy Spirit of God had done in their lives and how that they had been birthed into the family of God and uh, all of this, then uh, they began to realize some things after Peter told them the story of how he came to go into them uh, through a, uh, a revelation from the Lord and he, God said, uh, that which I have cleansed, call not thou unclean or common and, and, and such. So we, I look at this and I see today that the church had to come to grips with some things. Now I'm gonna, again, uh, that's, the, that's the interpretation. By application, could I say to you uh, that you're going to have to come to grips with some things. Uh, as a church, as a church, uh, there'll be somewhat of some changes. Uh, I understand if, if this works. And, and, and right now, uh, there's still an uncertainty. Uh, God is a, is a God who does not reveal everything at one time. From the book of Genesis, chapter one, verse one, God lays out uh, this thing about creation just in general. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But then from there on, he goes into somewhat more detail. And, and, and that's the way God does. He teaches progressively and he leads progressively. And, and I could go into this and, and tell you stories from, uh, from my life how that God led uh, progressively. My wife and I prayed three years for a tent while we were uh, from the time in, in, on July the 4th, 1990, when God directed us uh, toward Kansas as, as church planters. And uh, until we got here, uh, we prayed that time for a tent to use in the small towns and in evangelistic meetings and, and all of that. And nothing materialized to where that I literally prayed uh, after we got to Kansas and, and I, had, I had sought a proposal uh, for the size tent we wanted. I did not have the money. Uh, to purchase it, nothing was materializing. We've been praying three years. And I said to God one night, I said, maybe I don't know what your will is. Maybe you don't want us to have a tent. Uh, it's in my heart to have a tent uh, to, to reach people in these small towns in the Midwest. And, and I said to God, if, if it is not your will, the only way I'm gonna stop praying is if you take this out of my heart. Otherwise, I've got to keep praying because I've got this burden. And, and so uh, then I went to a meeting. I had met two people, uh, preachers, one from Kansas, Brother Kevin Franklin. Several of you uh, probably know that name. He's passed away now, but became uh, my best friend. And uh, Brother Franklin and a man who is still pastoring at 80 or 81 in Beatrice, Nebraska, and he'd like to have a young man uh, come in alongside of him that he could turn that work over to. But Brother Howard Jordan, th those two men and I went to a, went to a meeting. Uh, we stayed in the same motel room. Uh, I made me a pallet in the floor, and, and, and they slept in the two beds, and we went to this meeting, 
And uh, uh, when they asked church planters to tell something, I stood up in, in, in just a couple of sentences, made the statement how that we've been praying for three years and, and to make a long story short, a man behind me that I'd never seen dropped a, a check over my shoulder and it only had shepherd on it. He said, fill in your first name and um, uh, said, I didn't get it. And so he said, fill in your first name and, and the address of our church is on that. Uh, send us a letter when you get this so we can rejoice with you. And he left going to his meeting. And, I mean, to, it was Wednesday night. And in about three minutes, I had the money to buy that tent and some extra to buy some other things. We prayed three years and three minutes had come into, I honestly do not believe that it was over three, uh, three minutes uh, that, that it was just, you know, it was just like popcorn. I didn't even know that man uh, behind me, but he spent the last years of his life in the church at Larned. Uh, it was Brother Lloyd Gross who, had, uh, who was at that time pastor of the First Baptist Church of Inglewood and then after he retired from there, uh, he worked in salvage in some churches and, and lived in Kansas. And, and so uh, the, here's my thing. Uh, sometimes it takes longer uh, for us to pray. I don't know what the Lord was teaching me in that other than you can trust him. Do you know I wanted a tent when we started? But guess what? I'd have had to lug that thing around for three years, finding somewhere to store it, somewhere to put it, haul it from uh, North Carolina, wherever, uh, which is where I lived, and then bring it all to Kansas. And, and God just waited. And his plan was much better than mine. Can I tell you something? When I got sick, I gave that tent to Smoky Valley Baptist Church. First, first time they put it up, when the meeting was over, they waited till the next day to take it down, but during that night, a storm come through and ripped that tent in half. And so I had happened to have had it insured. And uh, Brother Matthews had kept the same insurance. And we had off-premises uh, liability and then replacement cost. So uh, I told him about Telescoping poles, I'd built wooden poles where you had to raise them up 16 feet. Uh, and I was a little younger then. And um, I used inch and a half rebar to drive in the ground. I was younger then. And we drove them with a sledgehammer. And so anyway, uh, I told him about these things and he decided to uh, get a bigger tent and upgrade with these, with these other things. And so they put it up for the, it, it's the tent that they use for the, uh, for the dining hall at the camp meetings, Brother Hanks. And, and when they, uh, the first day they put it up, Brother Chris came to me and said, let me tell you what just happened. He said, I told them that we're gonna pay the extra and in the upgrades, if you'll just pay for the, uh, for the smaller tent, they called him that day and said, we can't really figure out uh, what's our part and what's yours. So what we're going to do is just pay for all of the upgrades, the bigger tent and everything. And so they ended up, we went from an old used canvas tent to a, a vinyl tent, newer, better, and all of this. And so uh, God did all of that in three minutes. Some of the rest of it's come in place down through the years. But uh, you can trust God if you have to wait. 
he can he can teach us patience and but then after a while he can he can do some work in your life that will will honor him and you'll know it was for the best well in acts 11:19 uh, they preached the word of God on out into uh, uh, Phoenicia and, and Cyprus and Cyrene and went all the way to Antioch. And of course, we know, this, we know the church at Antioch. And as, as it went along, uh, then uh, God was blessing and they was reaching out further and, and the work of God was going on. The work's still going on at Jerusalem. We're just, we're just reading about some of the other things, but understand the work's still going on at Jerusalem. The church is still there. Uh, they're still holding their preachers to account as, as they send them out. And, and as they look at these things, they brought Peter in and talked to him about it. Uh, Barnabas was under their care, of course, and, and Philip was under their care. And Philip goes to Samaria and preaches the word of God and a great revival broke, broke out. Uh, but, Pete, uh, but Philip, uh, trust in God, when God said, I want you to go down toward Gaza, uh, he went. He didn't know where he was going, didn't know why he was going, but God sent him and he went and he left a great revival going on uh, there and went down because there was an Ethiopian eunuch that had been up to Jerusalem to worship and was going back home unfulfilled. He's reading the word of God and he don't understand it and he needs someone to tell him what this means and who it is meant by, and Philip uh, took the scripture uh, from the book of Isaiah and preached unto him Jesus. And, and he must have went through the whole gamut of what we need to do because all of a sudden that Ethiopian eunuch has trusted the Lord and says, see, here is water. What does hinder me to be baptized? Do you reckon Philip preached Jesus and told him, said, now once you get saved, uh, you need to be a part of a good local, uh, fundamental, independent Baptist church, and the way you get in is through water baptism of a saved candidate. Yeah. And so that's, that's the way it came, all right? So as he, as he went on and did these things, uh, then, then God just blessed. As the different ones, you, you, you read about um, the different men that God used and, and how that he used them and some in miraculous ways, some on a one-on-one -on -one individual. You don't ever know. Listen, uh, let me say this. You can, you can witness one-on-one -on -one and, and do as much as you can and God will honor you just as much as people that pre preach to uh, multitudes of people and see multitudes of people say, God wants us to be faithful where we are doing what we can to the honor and glory of God. And, and so I want to ask you the question again. You ask this, the same question Paul asked um, of the Lord, you ask this, not just in the new church plant, but in uh, the, the planned church plant. Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? What wilt thou have me to do? It could be uh, a stranger thing that God might raise someone up, Brother Hanks, out of the midst of this church uh, that would become the pastor of that church. Little did I know, 
when I started Vision Baptist Church in Millers Creek, North Carolina, uh, in 1979, uh, that, uh, that my son, who I believe, um, I forgot how old he was, 11 or 12 years old, I can't remember exactly now, but my oldest son was in my home uh, and, and had, had made a profession when he was eight years old and little did I know that he would, as he grew up in that church, that I was raising the pastor that I'd be able to, uh, to see follow me in that work. I stayed there almost 10 years. He stayed there almost 26 and God moved him to Kentucky as he enlarged his coast. Uh, the thing is that, and little did I know uh, that that little baby boy that would be born while that I was pastoring there in, uh, in, in North Carolina, little did I know that that boy uh, would marry and be pastoring in Oklahoma. Listen, you don't know what God's going to do, uh, but you can trust him to do the right thing. What a wonderful God we have and serve. I, one of the reasons I said, I'm glad I'm old. I can look back and I can see such wonderful things that God has done. But can I tell you, it's not all in the past. God's still working. God's still allowing us to be a part of his work. Uh, we can do things now that we couldn't do. There are some things that we can't do now that we, uh, that we could do, but God knows all about those things and we can trust him to guide us uh, into all truths. I look at this now and, and I wanna give you five things uh, just uh, is, is really the, uh, the gist of the message. Uh, in, if you would ask God, uh, Lord, what would thou have me to do? I believe the Lord would say, be obedient. Is that not what Paul did? Paul was obedient unto the Lord. I believe God would say to, uh, to you as a church, not only be obedient to God, but be obedient to your pastor because God put Hebrews 13, 17 in the scriptures. And so uh, you're, to, you're to follow his faith. And as you, as you do that, you're, you're to obey them, the scripture says, that have the rule over you. And, and otherwise, listen, if you take it out of this scripture, uh, do you know that Paul was blind? And so uh, would if Paul had not been obedient to the Lord, would he have ever received his sight back? Uh, you figure that one out. But can I tell you something? Sheep need a shepherd, is that right? Sheep need a shepherd. Christians need a pastor. And they need to follow that pastor in his faith and be obedient uh, unto, unto him, under the Lord. And lest you don't have light to show you the way. I've known a lot of people that got sideways with their pastor and God blinded them to truths that they, it should have been just before their nose. I really have. Well, let me tell you something else. Uh, uh, the, the word of God must be preached. And uh, if you read in, in, in chapter nine, uh, if you look at it uh, in um, uh, verse 17, I believe it's the right scripture, uh, the Bible says, and Ananias went his way, and uh, excuse me, that's where he receives his sight. And then in verse 18, the scales fall from him. And then uh, verse 19, Paul received meat, and he's strengthened, and, and he stays certain days with the, uh, with the disciples that were at Antioch. Do you know I have come to believe there was a church at Antioch? I really suspect that 
Ananias may have been the pastor of the church. Excuse me, I said Antioch, Damascus. Uh, uh, Paul is baptized by Ananias. Again, the church uh, is given the authority to baptize. And, and, and so there must have been a church in, in, in Damascus and, and uh, Ananias could have been uh, the pastor. You just think about that. All right, but listen to what happened uh, in verse 20. And straightway he preached Christ in the synagogues that he is the son of God. And so certainly we are to preach the word of God. And you know the story about how that, uh, I mean, the scriptures about how that, uh, how shall they preach except they be sent and, and, and all of these things. And so there's, there's all of that responsibility that falls upon others as well as the preacher. And, and so uh, you must be, I want to give you this one uh, in verse 25. Uh, and this is the story about uh, the disciples letting Paul down by night. Uh, let him down over the wall in a basket because there's some people trying to kill him and they don't want him to be killed and so they just let him down in a basket and he goes somewhere else and preaches the word of God. Uh, it's not cowardness uh, that, that causes him to do that. Uh, it is through the leadership of the Holy Spirit and I believe others uh, that are encouraging him to do the right thing and God's not through with him yet and they had concluded that and they let him down uh, by the wall in a basket. But here's my point. Uh, to look at application. Somebody's got to hold the ropes. If, if this church starts another church, somebody's got to hold the ropes, such as in prayer, in finances, and uh, other things of that nature. Somebody has got to hold the ropes. They were unnamed heroes that held the ropes. It don't even tell who they are, but how important were they? What if they just uh, got him in that basket and let him over the basket and turned him loose? Mm. I don't know how tall that wall was, but it, it had been a short trip and a hard landing. And so somebody held the ropes and they let him down. They let him down. That's what it said about a missionary of the past when somebody said India uh, is as a vast gold mine uh, with nobody to go down. And, and, and a man jumped up and said, I'll go into the mine, but you must hold the ropes. And so uh, we see today that, uh, that that's important. Uh, helping hands, uh, even contact information. Uh, we have, uh, one of the things that we try to do uh, when we go into an area, if, if anybody knows anybody in that area, we try to, uh, we try to find out about it to where that we can, uh, we've got just a, a little bit of an inroad. You know, I can, I can go into uh, maybe certain places and say, uh, uh, Brother Scott Hanks, you know, uh, Dr. Hanks that pastors over at Heritage Baptist Church, uh, he was telling me that, uh, that he met you so-and-so or that he knew you or whatever. And some of them might say, get out of my house. But some of them might say, come on in, just from the name. Uh, and, and so all kinds of things that, uh, that I could go through uh, tonight and say that you could be a, a part of holding the ropes uh, in this endeavor uh, to the glory of of God, but listen, uh, you, you just as well to understand that not everybody is gonna welcome you with open arms. 
Uh, and, and I say that here, here they were, Paul was preaching the word of God and they're laying in wait for him. Uh, can I tell you today that in church planning, uh, not everybody uh, welcomes you into a town to plant a church. Not every individual uh, will welcome you offering them a gospel tract. Uh, we had our sign uh, busted in Larning, uh, $5,120 to replace it. Uh, we had uh, we done that. Thank God we had insurance. Uh, we put up cameras and the man was caught and, and all of this. And he said, I hate that preacher. This is what the uh, the the uh, policeman told me. He said, he said, I hate that preacher. I hate that church. I hate the message they preach. I hate them being there. Four things. He don't believe in God. By the way, the policeman told him, said, you're gonna pay for a bigger sign and they'll have a better sign and a brighter sign and they'll have the same message. So you just help them get the message out a little more. I bet he walks by, I imagine he walks by there and, 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 and curses it, but that's all right. That's all right. I've tried to uh, give him a gospel tract a couple of times and he refused it. And uh, so there it is. Not everybody welcomes you uh, in, into a place. But can I tell you that who believes the truth and who don't uh, is all beside the point? You can believe that two plus two is five all your life and it won't change that fact, will it? It will not change the fact that if people don't trust Christ as their savior, uh, they, uh, they will die without God and go to hell. My, my point is this, uh, that uh, truth is not affected by numbers. And so uh, what we do, we do our best uh, to, to be to be kind, to be cordial, uh, to, be, to be loving and caring and speak the truth in love. But when they don't take it in that manner, it don't stop us from doing it. And so we just go on to the glory of God. And so you, you just will resign yourself just as it did here that not everybody's gonna welcome you. There'll even be some that will be jealous. Uh, some will think you're encroaching upon their field. And, and that you should be back over here in Lawrence. Uh, I'm not trying to discourage you. I'm just, as I said, I'm a realist. And I've been down the road long enough till I understand uh, some of these things and so does your pastor. But we don't look at the negatives and say, because of that, I'm not gonna go. Uh, we, don't, we don't look at it and say, I'm too faint of heart to do this. God will give me power. God will give me the ability. Uh, God will give me what I need. I'll just go and do what God says. As I go, I'll witness. And so you just, you just go on and, and, and walk with him. And be prepared that there's gonna be some people like Barnabas Barnabas is known as son of consolation, isn't he? Do you know who got the, the apostle Paul over to Antioch? Barnabas. Others were afraid of him. Barnabas took a chance on him and went and got him and brought him over. And they stayed there and taught the word of God. And eventually in chapter 13, uh, the Holy Spirit of God calls them uh, to go forth in church planning and they go. And so... Uh, 
it's important that we understand. Now, I want to give you, I want to give you a pattern. Turn with you to chapter 13. Uh, uh, excuse me, chapter 14. Uh, I think this is a, a pretty good way uh, to consider doing things as we go uh, in seeking to plant a church. Certainly, uh, in verse 21, uh, we need to preach the gospel. People need to be evangelized. Uh, and uh, the Bible said they preached the gospel. And then it also, in that same verse, it says, and taught many. People not only need to be evangelized, they need to be educated. My, what a wonderful Sunday school lesson this morning. I, I loved that. And, 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 and I thought about raising up and saying, just go ahead and take my time too. I like this. Uh, but, but anyway, it's, uh, it's wonderful when you, when you get into the word of God and somebody's teaching the word of God and it encourages you and, and, and helps you. And so uh, once people get saved, they need to be discipled. Your pastor's not gonna be able to do all of that. Uh, there could be some others. I remember a, in Lindsborg, uh, a, a 70-year-old woman got saved. And uh, then uh, her husband said he was saved. Both of them had said they were saved. But, but we, we got together and I said to a, a couple in our church, would you just kind of uh, take them uh, under your wing and just kind of teach them on a, on a basis? And I give them some lessons. And I said, I want you to watch the man he probably is unsaved, but we don't want to offend him. Just go ahead and, and, and let the Holy Spirit work. And just not long after that, he got saved. He was 71. He lived 23 months and went to be with the Lord. And, and so uh, what a testimony. The, the dear lady is still in the church after 20 plus years. Uh, she's still in the church. She's in her 90s now, still serving God in the same uh, church, but may I say to you today, uh, the, the point is uh, there's others that can step in and lighten the load and can help uh, with these things. So they, uh, they preached the gospel, they taught many, so they evangelized the lost, they educated the Christian. In verse 22, uh, look at these things, confirming the souls of the disciples, uh, and exhorting them to continue in the faith. As you look at that, uh, uh, from that, uh, the local church was established. So they evangelized the lost and educated the Christian to establish the local church. And then uh, as, as they done that, uh, then we see that they ordained them elders in every church. And of course, that, that is the goal for that church to have, uh, have its own pastor and 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 when all of that comes about the church can be uh, can be an indigenous church uh, full-fledged church on its own uh, becoming a sister church uh, would be the wonderful thing and of course there's some other things in it about uh, about the missionary uh, there's even the furlough found in this scripture uh, as you look at it uh, there's the idea of reporting to the local church and and, and all of that found in these scriptures uh, as they go. And, and the furlough is in the last verse, and there they abode long time with the disciples. So uh, I look at this and I say that there's much work to be done to the glory of God. Now, I want to conclude by giving you one church plant story, and some of you will know about it. It happened in North Carolina uh, at a place called Sandy Creek. 
and uh, Sandy Creek Baptist Church was established. Uh, there was a man uh, who was born January the 28th, 1706 in Boston, Massachusetts, uh, and he, uh, he hears George Whitfield and uh, uh, either in 1740 or 1746 and gets saved. Uh, he, he becomes a congregational preacher. But then he learned the truth and a man by, uh, by uh, Waitzel uh, Palmer baptized him. He was a separate Baptist. And this man was, was baptized after he was an ordained minister but in the congregational church. So when he surrendered to scriptural baptism and was baptized, he was reordained as a Baptist preacher. And uh, uh, in, uh, uh, I believe, 1751. But then uh, he went to North Carolina. He heard, he was in Connecticut. He heard that there was a place in North Carolina uh, to where that there was no good gospel preaching church and that people uh, would, would travel 45 and 50 miles on horseback just to hear a good sermon. And so he went down to this place where there was a crossroads and it was called Sandy Creek, North Carolina. Uh, in, in Randolph County at that time, it's now in Guilford County, but, but he, uh, he went there and he started a church with 16 charter members. That church grew uh, to 600 and some members. And I believe it was seven of the original charter members went out to, to plant other Baptist churches uh, around in different parts. And in 1771, the English uh, uh, governor, William Trine, uh, through his oppressiveness toward the, the Baptists and, and all of this, and, and uh, several people left, and they went to Kentucky and Illinois and places like that. And the places they went and settled, they started churches and, and called pastors and, and done this. And today it is said that over 2,000 churches can be traced back to Sandy Creek Baptist Church in North Carolina. There's an old building still standing. There is, some, uh, uh, there is a, a monument uh, to him. He died in 1771, but, but when he died, he was pastoring about the same amount of people that he had started with about 16. All of the others were scattered out with the word of God, going different places, and they was headed west, and they were on their way, and God was blessing, and souls was being saved, revivals was breaking out in the places they went, all because God put on a man's heart a place to plant a church, and that man was obedient to the call of God. What wilt thou have me to do, Lord? Lord, what wilt thou have me to do?